But God is good all the time, and that's really the series we're in right now, so I want to expand on that. I've been given this opportunity. Yet again, I'm Pastor Kyle. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. I have an amazing, not only just staff, I have amazing students that I get to share life with every time that I get to come in here on a Wednesday night. Not only that, I am married to an incredible woman. She's sitting right up here at front. She was, she was singing. <laughs> I'm so blessed to have her as my wife and my spouse. We, uh, we are the same but different. And, and it's different in good ways because we're able to strengthen each other. And I think that that's most important. Baby, I love you, and you're, you're my rock. I love you. Um, yes, I didn't want to get all sentimental today. February 14th is next month. So <laughs> just be marking on your calendars Valentine's Day. Just know that that's coming up. Um, but... I felt like this, this series, what we're talking about, we're talking about um, God is good all the time. And so my title of my message today is called Seeing Times Reflection. And it's something that, like, this is 2019 now. So we've had to do a, a couple steps whenever we close out 2018. It should be the same steps that all of us have already taken. So I'm just going to go one through three, some quick steps that we probably should have taken as we're closing out 2018, going into 2019. Number one, reflection on 2018. Sometimes it's very important for us to reflect on our past. Very important for us to reflect on what we accomplished this last year. Sometimes to remember those that we have lost. Or sometimes to commemorate things to memory like what we learned. And so it's awesome. It's important for us to reflect on 2018. So that's step one that I had to do, okay? Number two is that we, we begin a plan for 2019. So for those that are at the staff, we've already got, like, I already sent out to, like, Pastor Mike, Pastor Josh, and Miss Tina, and I said, look, this is a lot of the stuff that the youth is already planning on doing for 2019. Uh, let's talk about it, because <laughs> we got a lot of things that we have to work out sometimes. And so we put a plan in place. Right now, I'm trying to put a plan in place for our students. And so we are going through this series, if you didn't hear it in the announcements, because Josh did an amazing job doing the commentary, but we are going through core values. And what happens, like I was being pressed on this back in 2018 in November, and God was just like, you know what? I want you to come up with reactions core values. And so what's important whenever we come up with core values is establishing something that is pillars that you're going to believe in. And it helps give guidance, it helps give directions going for the next year. So I'm trying to establish that coming into 2019 for our students, the expectations that we have, that we're going to have as a ministry, and the things that I, I want us to be firm on. This is the stuff that we want to put our flag on, we're going to plant on, and we want to make this the basis of what we believe. And I've been super excited. These last couple weeks, I've had so much fun in service, it's not even funny. I love being able to spend the time I have with your students. And having that opportunity, so thank you for that opportunity just to love on your kids. It blesses me because I'm blessed because I know we have incredible people in our children's ministry, incredible people in our nursery that are loving on my kids. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do so. And the last thing is that we then have to put those plans that we put in place for our families in 2019. We then have to start doing it, Right? So now we have to start putting it into action. So those are the top three things that whenever we're closing 19 or closing 18, going into 19 to do. But I have been telling everyone coming into this year that I have a word of the year. And my word of the year is finish. 
That's my word of the year. That's something, a mantra, that a motto that I'm going to carry this entire year. And it's, and just because those of you that really know me, and this is why this is so important for me to have this as my word of the year, is because if you know me, I'm a dreamer. If you know me, I'm really good at starting a project. I've got four at the house. But I'm not good at finishing a project. And so I get really good at having a dream and getting started with something, beginning to rip stuff apart. Like right now in my spare bathroom, we ripped out my, my, uh, my, my sink. And now I'm waiting to put in my new sink. But I have to go to Lowe's to get a couple supplies. And so it's just like I'm not always prepared going in. And then it, next thing I know, I'm not finishing the project. Okay? So what's most important for me this year is to be a man of my word. And that's what finish is for me. And, and, and this is just my word of the year. I'm not telling this. I'm not preaching on this today. Okay? I'm not, I'm not, this isn't my challenge to you guys. Okay? But it's for me. So in my reflection of 2018, this is what I came up with. The thing that I have to deal with. The thing that I'm going to have to do. And I had to come to grips with it. But going into 2018, or going, coming into 2018, or 2019, sorry, coming into 2019, I, I started to do something that all of you should be scared about. I started to do something called math. <laughs> and it is not my favorite subject. <laughs> and it wasn't something I did very well in. In fact, on my ACT, it was the one thing that kept me from, like, having amazing ACT scores. So those, I took the same, I took the ACT three times, and I scored the same all three times, the exact same number. And it's all because my math would bring me way down here. So I really don't like math. I really don't. But it's necessary to our life. It's necessary to apply. So what math can do is it, re it reveals problems. It reveals things that we should pay attention to, like percentages. And so even though this might be scary and you should pray that everything that I'm about to say is right in the house of God, amen, um, and it's correct, through my mathematic equations, I had to look it up on Google. I'm telling you, I got the math from a good solid source, okay? So, <laughs> so according to my relative findings, so let's just go off that. Number one, I typically sleep eight hours a day, okay? So what we found and what I was doing in the math is we have 8,760 hours in an entire year. 8,760 hours in an entire year, okay? So I sleep eight hours a day, and if I don't get my eight hours a day, I'm a little less Pastor Kyle, <laughs> I'm not always the best person, but, and I need my coffee or something like that. So, eight hours of sleep, got to have it. I'm just different without it. I'm just, I'm not the worst person. I'm just not my best self. So, let's just put it that way. So, it comes out to 33.24% of my year I spend sleeping. 33.24%. Okay, so... I work 40-hour work week. Some of you know exactly what that's like. 
Everybody has hands raised. Majority. We work. Sometimes we work more. We sometimes get to work two jobs, so the number might change. But for the average American, 40-hour work week is coming to 23.74% of our year. 23.74. The time I have with my family. So I have two scenarios. During the week, statistics show we get about seven hours during the week with our kids or with our family. Over the weekend, we have 12 hours a day with our family. So doing that math, it comes to 35.2% of our year. That's the greatest of all these numbers. 35.2% of our year. Now, we've seen national averages of how much screen time our kids are supposed to have versus what they are getting, okay? And some of those numbers is crazy. The average person spends 11 hours a day of screen time. So that, that could be including me, like, sitting at my office, working 40 hours. I have to look at my computer a lot, so that's screen time. Then I go home, and I watch TV and Netflix. <laughs> and so I spend more time in screen time. And then, for those of us that are media junkies, you get on there, and you're on your social media site, whether that's Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, and you're on there for scrolling for hours and hours at a time. It's not just like a couple minutes. We can never just look at it and then put it down. It, it you know, like catches us. We see a video and we're like, oh, did you see that? Hey, did you see that? No, it, it's not just, it's like it adds 11 hours actually can get out of hand. It could actually get even worse than that. So just think about that for a second in your brain. How much time we spend in front of a screen? And so I started to begin to wonder after looking at these numbers, and I was like, I wonder what would happen if I started applying this to church. wonder what would happen. If you come one hour a week to church, that means my students, majority of the time, get one hour here at the church on a Wednesday with me having a service. The numbers come out to 0.59%. If you round up, that's 0.6% of their entire year. If you come two hours a week to church, the two hours that you come could be going on a Wednesday night to a Bible study, to a service, whatever, and then coming in here and just participating in this service. Two hours, generally, it, the numbers come out to 1.19%. 1.19 that we give the Lord for two hours a week for the end of the year, 1.19% of our year. But if we come three hours a week, most dedicated and people do, those that go to Sunday school, those that come to service, those that come on Wednesday night, and then sometimes even beyond that, but if you're giving three hours a week, you're giving 1.77% of your entire year here at the church. I, as a youth pastor, get at most with our students two hours, 1.19. The average student goes to school for six hours a day for 36 weeks, and that comes out to 12.32% of the year. So school gets 12.32%. I 
get at most 1.19%. And these are all impressive stats when we look at them for face value. But these numbers are meant for a moment of reflection. Just like we take that time at the end of 2018 to reflect on what happened, numbers like this are meant to cause us to reflect. My pastor growing up made a comment over and over, Pastor McNabb, and he says that if you want to know where somebody values something, go look at what they spend their money on in their bank account. You'll figure out what they value more than anything. Some of you are like, yeah, I go out to eat quite a lot. I spend a lot of money going out to eat, so I like hanging out with my friends and socializing and be with my family members. Right? Right? We like doing that stuff, okay? It's just one way to determine someone's heart. There are many ways to get there. We are given 8,760 hours in a year, so are we spending them wisely? Last week, Pastor Mike mentioned being a good steward with our time. Man, that hit me. Are we good stewards with our time? Most recently, our church has suffered great loss. And we've had some family members leaving us for greener pastors, going through them pearly gates. Amen? It's a celebration, right? Celebration time. They don't want to come back here. <laughs> they're hanging out with the, they're in the presence of God, right? But it's caused me to reflect on precious moments that I do have. Precious moments that I get with my family, the 35.2%. James 4, 13 through 14, if you'll go with me in your Bibles. James 4, 13 through 14 says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So today I'm going to be talking about three ways that the Lord wants us to examine our time. So number one, let's get in. Let's jump in. I, I mean, it's quiet in here. It is quiet in here. Am I, like, I hope I'm not like really stepping on people's toes. Wait, no, I'm not afraid of that. I'm okay with stepping on people's toes because sometimes it's the only way to get somebody to change. So here, let's go. Let's jump in. It says, what are we spending our time doing is the number one then we need to question that God wants us to examine our time. What is it that we're spending our time doing? When we get on the internet, what is it that we are searching? What we spend our time doing or searching can directly impact our relationship with our spouse. It can directly impact our relationship with our kids. It can directly impact our relationship with our grandkids. Our friends, our neighbors, and determines how those relationships will look and form over time. 
what you feed, right? You are what you eat. So what is it that you are searching whenever you go on to the Internet that we're spending all of our screen time doing? What are we becoming? And are we okay with that? Psalms 90.12 says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Are the things we are spending our time doing helping us and equipping us to be the warriors of God that he's called us to be? Or are those things that we are spending our time doing making us look more and more like the world? Help me. I believe I recall that there's a verse that says we are to be in the world but not of the world. So what do we look like? What are we feeding? The future has seemed to get more and more complex as we continue to move forward. As time, time, like people talk to me all the time about how, like, back in my day, because I'm a youngin', right? So back in my day, this is the way it was. And man, things were so much simpler back then. I want to bring something to light. There are challenges that teenagers today are going through that you never had to go through. That you never had to deal with. That you never had to overcome because it was a different time. And God's raising up these teenagers to deal with these problems to then help the next generation of believers deal with what they have to deal with. I love investing in our young people, I tell you. They are the future. But if there's anything that I've learned is that my job has gotten more complicated as I've gotten older. It hasn't gotten easier. I thought that by this time, as I got older, you know, as a kid, you're sitting there like, man, I can't wait till I can drive. Man, I cannot wait till I get to this age and I can go hang out with my friends without my parents' permission. I cannot wait till I can do whatever. You graduate. Blank space, input word. I cannot wait. But I'm telling you right now, like, as I've gotten older, as I've become a parent, as I've gotten to where I, now we're almost 11 years into marriage, and we are 11 years into marriage. <laughs> Woo! I saved myself on that one. <laughs> Eugene? I told you, sometimes my words can get me in trouble. Okay. But family, you guys have to realize that it hasn't gotten easier. It's gotten tougher. Like, I wasn't told this stuff back whenever I was younger. Like, hey, the whole world at my fingertips. I want to go back and be a little kid. Like, I want to, like, all of the adults in this room were like, yeah, I mean, life was so much easier back whenever I didn't have to worry about anything. Like, I could just go play on the playground. Yes, it was. Lord, I want to go back. That prayer will not be answered, I guarantee it. <laughs> but it hasn't gotten any easier. But who better understands how to cope with the changes and the challenges that we face than our Precious Jesus, who's not only been here on this earth, lived it, but he created it. Right? Amen? 
Number two, we need to determine the most meaningful things in our life as we evaluate our time. We need to evaluate what matters most and what the Lord calls is our, like, what, what I like to look, reference is our rocks or pillars, core values. Most of us could say like a relationship with our spouse, a relationship with our kids, friends, our health. We want financial stability. These are rocks that the majority of us would want to stay on. But let's be honest with ourselves. Let's really be honest with ourselves. How much time do we really spend on our rocks? Then, let's evaluate, are those things that, yeah, they're our core value. We're going to do good. We're going to put them, but by February, just like any other New Year's resolution, we're no longer doing it. We're no longer sticking with our goals or our core values, the things that we had set up with our time that we're planning on doing. So I've told you that the students are doing our core values, but not only are our students doing the core values, I told you that I started being worked on this back in November 2018. So my family right now, Rochelle and I were just exchanging emails this week talking about our family's core values and our rocks. And we're trying to figure that out and establish it. And you know what we're going to do? Just like I'm going to do with our core values with our youth students, once we get them in place and they're planted and we're going to put them on a nice billboard, we're going to put them in some kind of a picture frame, we're going to put it up on the wall in our house. And they're going to be for everyone to see. And we're going to constantly be looking at them and reminded and referencing these things. And that's going to be what our family is about. These are our core values. Because we have determined that those things are the most meaningful things for our family. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. If you'll go with me there, I'm in NIV. That's all I use, really. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And we're talking about establishing our rocks. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to challenge you guys, just for this segment, we need to take the time to write down what matters most. We need to take the time to put that on paper and then apply it and do it, make it, a, make it at the forefront of what we are, because our families need it. And then we need to decide if we've been spending the appropriate time investing in those things that we're calling our core or our rocks. Because if we're investing our time on the internet and we're not spending that time with the, pe the things and the people that matter the most, we're building it on the wrong things. 
We're building it on the sand that's going to come and the, the, everything, all the water is going to come up, the craziness of life, and it's going to sweep our family away. So we need to decide if we've been spending the appropriate time investing in those things. Number three, we need to make the most of every opportunity. The average person spends less than two and a half minutes of meaningful conversation with their spouse a day. Two and a half minutes of meaningful conversation. You want to know why this hurt? This hurts. You want to know why this stands out and I like pops off the page? It's because I'm guilty of this. Rochelle and I, I can't tell you how many times we've gotten home, and really we've had just a couple words, how was your day, blah, blah, blah. We're hanging out with the kids and stuff. We're spending some time with the kids, but then we don't take the time to really have meaningful conversation with each other. And really, I look at the statistic, the two and a half minutes of meaningful, meaningful. You realize what meaningful means, right? Deep conversation, conversation that helps strengthen or helps make us better, or that helps us know that we're there for each other, encourages each other. Two and a half minutes? I think I can do better, so if I can do better, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, second, this, this is the other statistic that left off the page that is something that I want us to pay attention to. The average working person Everyone in this room, hands raised if you work. Yes, okay, we have to pay bills, right? Okay, here we go. The average working person spends less than 30 seconds of meaningful conversation with their kids. That's the one, that's the one that hurts. Because if we're trying to raise a generation for Jesus, if we're trying to raise different makers, if we're trying to raise people that are going to go in and pass the baton to, to live a better life than what we have set before them, and we only are doing it with 30 seconds of meaningful conversation, you really think we're going to get very far? No. We're not going to do much there. We're not going to do and accomplish the goals that we want to see our wonderful kids. You know who's really shaping the minds of our kids? Where they're spending their time the 11 plus hours that they're on social media or on the internet, the 12.32% that they're at school. But we have, remember, this is the greatest number. We have 35% of the year, and we're only spending 30 seconds of meaningful conversation with our kids. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most, everybody say that with me, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can we agree that hasn't changed? This word was written over 2,000 years ago. And it still is getting worse? Okay. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the Lord, what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Mm. You know what that's telling me? We need to encourage one another more often in Christ. We need to recommit ourselves to the things that really matter and be better at expressing how we feel about them beyond just the average 30 seconds or two and a half minutes. I told you, I really don't like math because it, I hate it. I hate math. Just like there's certain things in Scripture that I wish wasn't there. Oh, man, math really makes me hurt. So in closing, if I, I want the worship team to come back up. Um... All of these numbers and statistics can be motivating, but can also make us feel guilty. I hope we feel guilty a little bit, but I hope they're also motivating. But can I encourage you for a minute? I, I really don't like giving you the bad and then not giving you some hope, because that's not Jesus. So let me encourage you with this. I have seen God do incredible things in my time here at this church for six years as a youth pastor where students are only giving 0.6% of their year to God. I have seen him do incredible things in their life. I have seen him do incredible things in just the week that we go to camp and praise God for camp. And all the students said, amen. I'm telling you, camp is awesome. I love camp. And that's just one week out of my entire year. But guys, God can do great things, and he's still in the business of doing great and awesome things with nothing. With absolutely nothing, 0.6%? Are you kidding me? That's nothing in an entire year. We give him more in our tithe than we give him in our time. 10% of our tithe, but our time. The max, the average person goes to church three hours out of a week, 1.77%. I can still see God doing incredible things with 1.77%. So even if that is all that you're giving him, sometimes that's just enough for him to do what he can do, what only he can do. But I hope you guys understand something. 
if you want Pastor Kyle or Pastor Tina or Pastor Mike or Pastor Josh to come in here and transform a student, a person's life with 0.6% and you expect us to be miracle workers, I'm not Jesus, okay? I'm not God. You're, you're fooling yourself if you think that I can make a difference in a teenager's life for the long haul with just 0.6%. Let's just get real for a minute. If you think Miss Tina can make a difference in a child's life with just 0.6%, you're fooling yourself. And God's talking about not being fools, but be wise. He wants us to be wise. And what numbers do, they help bring to the front what really matters. Guys, what really matters of all the numbers that I keep looking at is family units are the most important thing. 35% of the year gets to be spent with the family unit. It's the most important relationship that a student, a teenager, a person can have. Whenever I can't do everything, when Miss Tina can't do anything, whenever Pastor Mike, Pastor Josh, we can't do anything, it's our family that can be there for us. So what are you as a leader of your family doing? What are you doing? Are we accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish? Are we living up to being the warriors that God has called us to be? Or are we looking more and more like the world? And raising them to look like that. Just imagine what God can do if we gave him a little bit more. Not only in our personal life, for our families. Just imagine what he could do whenever he, we give him a little bit more of our time. Do you see this? Can, I'm a dreamer, so I, I can dream. But I can see God doing things in our families and doing things within our families that I, as an individual, never could if I gave just 0.6% of my time. And I think we owe it to ourselves to find out what that looks like. I think we owe it to our families to find out what that looks like, amen? Because if we don't use it, we lose it. Time's wasted. I can't tell you how many families I know that whenever you walk into the room, you have parents on the phones, kids on the phones. They're in the same room. They're not even talking to one another. They text each other telling them that dinner's ready. Like, I'm not, I'm not lying. This is real. We can get better at that. I want meaningful conversation with my children. 
I want them to know that I know. And I take a point every day, and it's something that Rochelle and I, we've challenged each other to do, is that we get down to our kids' level. And I look at them in the eye. And I tell them that I love them. I make sure that they hear it. I embrace them long and hard. And I encourage them. And that's just 30 seconds of my time right there. Just imagine what will happen if I actually don't mind because I'm one of those dads that does not care what people think about me. So I dress up for Halloween as a Power Ranger for my kids. And I do. I have a whole lot of fun. But me going in, whenever my kids come to me and they say, Daddy, let's go play, let's go play in the playroom. I'm like, well, sometimes I need to finish something first because remember my word of the year is finish. And so, <laughs> and then sometimes I need to take a moment and Rochelle and I are really good at calling each other out on this and saying, you need to take a moment and spend some time with your kids. Because I need to spend, we need to spend more than 30 seconds of meaningful conversation. Guys, that's not good enough. And I think we owe it to our families to find out what it would be like if we gave more of our time personally, if we gave more of our time here at the church. How can, how, okay. I, I'm at Tamara's funeral yesterday, and I get an opportunity to to speak and, and say a word from the from New Testament. And Tamara was, in, in commemorating of her memory, she, this woman was here every time that the doors were open. She wanted to help out in absolutely every way that she could. And I got up here and I'm like, she is the ex perfect example for what I want my students, what I want all of us as servants to look to because she was willing to give up of her time, herself. She was willing to give up of everything to help make sure everyone else was taken care of. And she's a perfect example of somebody that didn't waste her time. But now we need people to step up and take her place now that she's gone. We need people in our churches to realize that leaders lead from the front and not from the back. So we need people to step up and get involved in the church a little bit. We need people to give a little bit more of their time generously. And we need people to be dedicated to love and serve each other. But that stuff that whenever somebody leaves us, it gives up an awesome opportunity for somebody else to step up. And I think that for some of us in this room, God may be telling us to do that today. He wants us to step up. Because what my youth pastor told me, and this is something that stuck with me all my life. He says, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. So if we continue in the patterns of 2018, doing what we did in 2018, we're going to get the same result at the end of 2019. 
something about 19. 19 is my favorite number. I want 19 to be awesome. And I tell students this. If you come anticipating great things to happen, great things will happen, right? I'm anticipating 2019 to be amazing. But I can't do what I did in 2018. I can't. I'm closing this. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Last I checked, God is still in complete control of time. And at just the right time, and at just the right moment, God sent a Savior who, unlike us, did not waste his time or sin against the Lord with it. You realize that we can sin against the Lord with our time. Jesus didn't waste an opportunity. The dude is sitting here stinking with body odor, and he's got crowds of people sitting there coming to hear what he has to say. Can you imagine? Like, like I just want to have my, like, stretchy pants on at home. I want to be comfortable. Somebody's making fun of me over here. It's okay. It's okay. I want to be comfortable, but you know what? Jesus made the moment of every, he made he made the perfect opportunity. He, he didn't waste a moment. He gathered the disciples around while he was in his stretchy pants, okay, while he was chilling, and they still had communion with each other. They still helped each other grow. He was spending time with his family. He didn't waste a moment. And he didn't sin with it. Jesus lived his time perfectly on earth, and he, was cre he has created a way for us to come to him and to receive forgiveness and to restore us to focus on what matters most.